Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, for this time. And Jesus, before or as we open your word and come before you, I just want to take this time, Lord, and uh, we humble our hearts before you, Lord God. We bow our knees to you, Jesus. We confess openly, Lord, with our hearts and our minds and our mouth, Lord, that you are the pastor of this church, Lord God, that you are the king of this kingdom. And Father, we honor you. We submit to you. We pray that as we open your word, you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your word with a joyful obedience. Lord, and, and any excuse, any thought that would separate us from doing what your word calls us to, um, we ask, just ask that, Lord, that you would cut it down, that we would be humble and willing to accept your word in all things. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. All right, guys, Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 5. The model prayer. The model prayer. And it says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, the ones who are putting on a show, actors, right? Someone who wears a mask. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Amen. So guys, just a, a short recap. Last week, we began talking about the Lord's Prayer and actually how important the Lord's Prayer can really be for our life, right? And many times, it's kind of just like a mantra. Oh, our Father, hallowed be thy name. And we kind of go through it. You know, it's a lot for some people, though, that's a thing that the Catholics or the Methodists do or, or whatever. And, you know, that's just kind of how most people have experienced it. And so we have this perspective. But uh, just to reiterate from last week, um, how important it is that Christ is the one who taught us that this is how we should pray. And so I think to really appreciate that, we need to, be under, we need to understand well, what is it that Jesus is teaching us through this model prayer, and how can we really walk through it and benefit for, uh, from it personally. And so last week, as we looked at the first part, you know, I want you all to look at this prayer, and I want you to think of it in three sections. Mm -hmm. The first section is when we come into prayer, the first thing we need to do is we are acknowledging and submitting ourselves to the Lord. That is the first part of where Jesus says, this is how we need to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so without going into the, the sermon all over again, right? The focus there is if when we come to the Lord, if the first thing we're praying is for the Lord's will to be done, 
for his kingdom to be established, for if we're acknowledging him that he's our father, which means we're coming to him as children, right? That he's in heaven, that he has all authority, that he's established on the throne. If we come first with that heart and perspective, and I think not just having that perspective, but as we pray, if we're realigning our hearts under that truth, that should do one of two things or both. A, it puts our prayer life and what we're about to ask for, puts everything in perspective, right? Because if we're saying, Lord, let your will be done and your kingdom come, what does that mean about our will and our kingdom? It's got to go out the window, right? And so it's, there's, a, there's a moment of putting our heart where it needs to be. And it's also teaching us to, to submit the things. And basically saying, Lord, if this is not your will, before I even ask him for anything, Lord, if, I'm, if anything I'm asking is not of your will, well, let your will be done, not mine. And so we're putting to death the will and the kingdom of self, okay? And in every occasion, without fail, there's not a single occasion you could point to, of a Christian falling away from the Lord, and rather that's a, a slow backslide, or rather that's a very a rejection and hardening against some truth they don't like, whatever the issue is, it's always a pursuit, rather consciously or not, it's always a pursuit of self, right? It's a mm-hmm. preservation of, you know, what I want, how I feel, what I do or don't want to do, right? But Jesus says when we pray, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And so there's a submission to God that puts our hearts right. That should permeate, even if we don't pray through this in every prayer, there should be something about that that is the staple of our heart when we come before the Lord. The second part of our prayer that we were going to see here is intercession. Intercession and petition. Right now, what's what does what does petition mean? What's a petition? You're asking, right? So the word pray literally means to ask. Okay. Well, what is intercession? Praying for others. Praying for others, right? It's it's petitioning on behalf of someone else. And I want to give you an example before we even talk about it. Um, the way this really clicked for me one time is. I was praying for somebody at one point, and their marriage was falling apart. They were looking at getting divorced. That was probably what was going to happen. I was kind of sort of convincing them to, like, take some time and to pray about it. And so, like, the idea of, like, really fighting for their marriage was kind of secondary to them. They were kind of just like, man, whatever. And I had this time of praying, and my heart was just so broken for them. And I know I know the Lord's heart for marriage. And... Um, I started praying for the marriage as if it was my own. I wasn't, oh, Lord, bless them. I was praying for that marriage as if that was my wife leaving me. And I started crying out to the Lord as if it was my marriage being broken. Wow. And I started praying for my brother as if it was me hurting. And I started praying for this woman as if, you know, okay. And so I put myself in his shoes and I cried out to God on his behalf. And that was the moment where I understood what intercession is. I'm crying to the Lord on his behalf as if I'm asking that for myself. And I learned that when I'm praying for people who are sick, someone says, hey, pray for my son. So, oh, okay, yeah, you know, bless their son. Okay, yeah, I hope you heal him. Thank you. Well, what if it was your son? Right. Yeah. yeah. How would you pray then? <laughs> you know? And 
you know, and it changed my perspective. So intercession is petitioning on the behalf of someone else, right? And so the second part, I want you to notice, starting in um, verse 11, I want us to notice what Jesus says and what he doesn't say. He says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forget our de- forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, there's a key word that's repeated over and over in this section. Our. Our, right? Us. Jesus, when he says, when you pray, he doesn't say, go before the Father and say, Father, give me this day my bread. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Petition for others. Petition for others. Anything that you pray for yourself, you should be praying for the body of brothers and sisters around you. Mm. You should be praying for your family, for your children, right? For all those who in every place call upon the Lord, both theirs and ours. That's the definition of the church in mm. 1 Corinthians. Is it 1 Corinthians or Romans? I always get that mixed up. I'm pretty sure it's 1 Corinthians. <laughs> I always get it mixed up for some reason. 1 Corinthians 3, right? The definition of the church. Everywhere, everyone who in every place calls upon the, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both our Lord and theirs, right? And so there is this corporate identity, guys, that we have that honestly I don't think the church really understands. When you look at Israel, it was the common wealth of Israel. Israel was one people. They weren't a bunch of people just kind of co... No, one people, right? And when one person sinned, who did it affect? Everybody. Everybody. Everybody was affected. The nation was affected, right? When they had, a, when they had one good king, what happened to the whole nation? Blessed. It was blessed. When they had one bad king, what happened to the whole nation? It was cursed. It was cursed, right? It was bad. When I always call him Akon, like the rapper. Akon. You know what I'm talking about, anybody? The sin of Akon, right? I always call him Akon. Won't let me out. Anyway, whatever. Uh, Akon, when they were going up to to the Battle of Ai, I think it was, Ai, however you say that, Battle of Ai, there were certain things they weren't allowed to touch or take from the enemy, right? And and Akon, he took a forbidden Babylonian garment, and he hid it and he dug it. And he, he put it under his tent. He was going to keep it for himself. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. Just him, right? So they go up, and they're all, they just destroyed uh, Jericho, right? They just, the walls fell, literally just fell down in front of them. They marched in, slaughtered everyone, overtook the land. Here we are. The Lord's given us favor. Let's go on and get the next city. And people start dying, and they retreat. And they're like, what the heck, man? And, you know, uh, Joshua is tearing his clothes and falling down before the Lord. Why, Lord, have you mm-hmm. destroyed your people? And the Lord's like, get up. Quit acting like that, you punk. No, I didn't really say that. But um, he's like, get up. There is someone among you who has not obeyed my command. Mm-hmm. And so they cast lots, and they find out who it is, and they bring out Achan. They say, tell us, you know. Honor the Lord. Tell us what happened. And he tells him, look, I, I took a forbidden garment, and it's there it is, hidden underneath my tent. And for the sin of one man, people were dying in the battlefield. Wow. It had spiritually affected the whole body. Right? If you drink a little bit of poison, it doesn't just kind of burn your esophagus and kill a stomach cell. What is it? it affects your whole body. 
right? Cancer affects your whole body, okay? There's a sickness. And you know what happened to Achan? They took him and his wife and his children and his donkeys. I don't know what his donkeys did. And they mm. took them outside the city. They stoned them, put them under a pile of rocks, and burned them. And their whole, their whole family suffered because of that man's sin. Oh, poor donkey, right? And so, you know, as a man, you know, we take that seriously. Like, my, my family, my wife, my kids, they are going to be affected, rather I like to believe it or not, by my spiritual life, mm-hmm. right? And if my spiritual life is vibrant, my family will be blessed. And if it's not, it's going to affect them negatively, right? Not only that, but in the church, what does Paul say? Cast out the leaven so that you can be a new batch, an unleavened batch, right? Because a little bit of leaven in the church, what's it going to do? It's going to leaven the whole lump. What is leaven? Leaven is something that causes dough to rise, okay? But it's a picture of sin in the, in the Bible. And so a little bit of leaven is going to leaven the whole lump. Pastors don't take that seriously today, you know? They just say, oh, we just all want to be friends. They don't take that. God takes it seriously. But not only that, the Bible also tells us that anything you're experiencing, any trial that you'll go through as a Christian, you have brothers and sisters all over the world, probably in your own church, going through the same struggles. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm going to turn real quick um, to 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse 9. Actually, we'll read verse 8 and 9. Peter even tells us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing what? Knowing that the same sufferings, rather it's in your marriage, rather it's at your work, rather it's in your health, rather it's in your spirit, the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. And actually, we'll just read the, the, the end of the paragraph. But may the God of all grace who called us who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So guys, don't, don't spend too much time flipping there because we're going to flip right back to Matthew. Um, if you have flipped there, keep a finger, though. Keep a finger there on, on 1 Peter. And so Jesus, when he tells us to pray, he says... Pray this way. Give us. And so when I go through the Lord's Prayer, as soon as I get to this section in my mind, there's a pause moment. I say, Lord, and I pray for myself. I pray for my wife. I pray for my kids. I pray for David and Alana. I pray for everybody at, at, in the church here. I pray for my brothers and sisters in Kerrville. I pray for faithful fishers down in Corpus Christi, Sean and their family. I think of my buddy Ricky and Denise. And I say, Lord, and for all our brothers and sisters, those in Afghanistan right now, who call upon you from a pure name, Give us this day our daily bread. And what does that mean? When we're saying, Lord, give us our daily bread, what are we talking about? It's like, make sure we got a loaf of bread so we can make sandwiches at home or what? Meet our needs. Meet our needs, right? And, and bread was a staple to the people back then, right? They ate that all the time. But really what he's saying is give us our daily provision, right? Give us what we need today. Not worried about tomorrow. Not worried about next week. I'm not worried about next month. Lord, give me what I need today, right? And so, Lord, bless all of my brothers and sisters. I bet you, you know what? If I'm, if I need rent money, I bet you somebody else does too, right? There are other people. It's not just me struggling, 
I'm not the only one having this problem, right? I'm not the only one who, who struggled with a bad attitude or, or I don't know, whatever your issue is that day. If I'm being attacked spiritually, I've learned that I start praying for my brothers and people start calling me that same day or the next day. I swear to you, it's happened endless amounts of times. And they start telling me the exact same thing happened to them. And I've learned, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, why am I awake right now? And I start praying for people. I start praying for the church. You know what happens the next day? I start getting phone calls. I'm telling you, people, well, I'm a pastor, so I guess that's why, right? People just start calling me. And they're like, man, in the middle of the night, I woke up and this was going on. I was like, dude, I'm going to be honest with you, dude. I was praying for you last night. You know, and I don't know, maybe they don't believe me, but I was, you know. And because Satan is crafty, right? He's not, he's not just around, like, just trying to trick people because he thinks it's funny. Like, the enemy has a well organized attack mm-hmm. against the body of Christ. Yeah. And he has offered us, in fact, he's told us, he's commanded us to join with him in this process, to be in prayer, to be sober, to be alert in our prayers, to pray for one another, right? That there would be a defense. And so I say, Lord, for all my brothers in Kerrville and Corpus and in San Antonio, all around the world, Lord, give, give us this day our daily bread. And I'll say, this is how I pray. Lord, everything we need spiritually, Lord, grant us wisdom, grant us discernment, Father. Give us prophetic words we can encourage one another, whatever it is, right? Everything we need spiritually, everything we need physically, bless us with health. Bless Jonathan and Cassie and their family as they're sick, Lord. Give us everything we need emotionally, mentally, financially, Lord God. You are the provider. Provide for our needs and provide for the the, the needs of your people. Lord, help us, right? Give us our daily bread. And so I go through that every time I pray this, Lord, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And I kind of just catalog these things in my prayer. In verse 12, and Lord, forgive us our debts. Or as many people might consider, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of what we owed to somebody. And then there's a little caveat there, right? What does it say right after that? As as we forget our, our, our forgive our debtors, and so that's very important because if I say, Lord, I want you to forgive me the way I forgive others, what type of expectation do you have then? Yeah, because that's exactly how he's going to deal with us. To the merciful, he will show himself merciful. merciful. Right, And so if I say, Lord, I want you to forgive me the way I forgive people, that's going to be a good thing for you or a bad thing for you. And I don't think we even most people even realize that that's what they're saying when they pray that. Lord, be generous to me the way I'm generous to others. Right, Lord, Lord, Lord love me the way I love others. Well, man, that's a scary thing to say, <laughs> you know. But every time I pray that, you know, what, you know what happens? Because I'm aware, Lord, forgive us as we forgive others. I say, Lord, so if there's anybody in my heart that I need to forgive, or that, Lord, that if there's something in my heart that needs to be dealt with, Lord, I forgive it right now. And if, I don't, if I'm just not aware it's there, Lord, show me, you know, because I don't, I don't want that to be there. And so I can honestly tell you without any hesitation that I live a life completely free of, of unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't deal with that, right? However, to say that I've never, that there's never a moment where I'm, tempt, I'm tempted or there's a, a, some sort of root that tries to hold on to some emotion that would cause that, that would be a lie. That would be a lie. And I'll tell you what, this prayer as many times 
exposed that and prayed through this and as I'm praying through this someone just comes to mind and it's like I don't even a lot of times like I wouldn't even really say I'm like uh-huh. not forgiving them but there's just something there just mm-hmm. something in my heart that's there and, and for whatever reason that person that situation came to my mind when I prayed that and that was enough for me to say Lord please forgive me Lord please bless them please let them forgive me Lord right the Bible says to bless your enemies so we should at least be blessing our brothers right and I start praying for them, and I do everything in me for my heart to be right with the Lord. Because if your heart is not right with others, and you think your heart is right with the Lord, you're a fool. Yeah. You cannot say you love God, if, who you've never even seen, who you don't even know what he's going to do, or what his intentions are for you, although we can know they're good. If you can't love your brother, who you do see, right, who is right before you, who you can physically serve. Okay. So forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so that's a moment for us to pause and reflect. And Lord, have we forgiven who we need? Is there any root of bitterness in my heart that needs to be pulled out? Right? In Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, it talks about the root of bitterness that springs up and defiles many. Right? Let there be no root of bitterness in you. And so we pray for forgiveness. And, and here's another thing I want everybody to do. I want, I want you to hear me out on this for real, okay? The Bible says to listen to your spiritual leaders, okay? That it may be well with you. Um, anytime you ask for forgiveness, I want you to follow that up and say, Lord, thank you, I'm forgiven. And I want you to agree with that. And I want you to choose to experience that truth, even if you didn't feel that way when you asked for forgiveness. Because it is too easy as a Christian to ask Jesus for forgiveness and then continue to walk in guilt and shame. And you didn't even really acknowledge or accept the fact that you were forgiven. You were just crying out with a maybe. And that is not faith. And I know, I mean, some of y'all have already heard my story, so I won't go into it, but I had experienced that where I was praying to be forgiven for something I prayed for like a hundred times. And one day the Lord just struck me and was like, dude, what's wrong with you? And I just realized like, man, if Jesus either forgave me or he didn't, you know what I mean? Like, what am I, do I believe the gospel? Do I believe I'm forgiven? Because if he forgave me, I don't have a right not to forgive myself. That's why I said, well, Lord, like, man, yeah, that was messed up. And Lord, you know, I shouldn't have done it, but that's not who I am. And Lord, thank you, God, that I'm forgiven. And I moved past that and I've never once since that day experience that same guilt or shame towards that situation. I'm not going to say that what I did was right either. But I know that I've been forgiven that the Lord is working in something. I'm not stuck in that, right? And so thank you, Jesus, that we are forgiven. And finally, this is kind of an interesting one. Lord, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Hmm. Now, I'd like to think that the Lord's never leading me into temptation, mm-hmm. but... He's going to test you. But he'll allow you to be tested, absolutely. Right. He will definitely allow you to be it's tested. Like you know, the book of James says that when each one is tempted, do you know where the temptation comes from? The book of James says? Each one is tempted mm-hmm. by, by their own, own desires. desires. Which is... And drawn away and enticed. (laughs) So we can't even blame the devil 
But what we can do is we can say, Lord, don't, I think in my own words, it's kind of like, don't allow me to be led into temptation. Keep me from temptation. So we can just, let's just, let's just kind of, you blow those dudes up before I even get there, right? You just take care of the war before I, so I can just walk through a blown up battlefield. We'll call it good. Um, and deliver us from the evil one. Because Satan is crafty. And he is setting up snares and pitfalls right in front of you to fall into. He's setting up temptations for you. The devil can't make you do or feel mm-hmm. anything. But he can convince you to feel a certain way. He can convince you to look at your brother with hatred or envy. He can convince you to fall into sin, but he can't make you. You have to agree with it and do it yourself. He has no power over your life. You have been born again by the spirit of the living God, and the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And there is no exception to that. God is sovereign over all things, and he exists in you. You have become one with him by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so... You know, I wonder with all the different ways that we can struggle, all the different ways that we're tempted, I wonder if we got the whole church around the world into one big room and we spent some time just, hey, I want you to get in a small group. I want you to just be honest with the ways you've been tempted. How, how many of you are struggling? How many of you are like really struggling and like, let's just hear the stories, right? And there'd be a lot of stuff. There'd be a lot of conversation going on, okay? And then I wonder if I got up on a platform and said, how many of you wake up every day and pray, Lord, don't allow me to be tempted. to Lead me out of temptation. Keep me safe from temptation. And keep me from the evil one. I wonder how many minds would go, (laughs) are we supposed to do that? (laughs) Like, dude, yeah, we can do that. In fact, Jesus tells us you should do that. Right? And what did Peter say? Good old Peter. The rock. Peter Rabbit. Not Peter Rabbit. <laughs> Peter the Rock, man. Come on. That's right. He says again, be sober. Be vigilant in another place. Paul tells us to be vigilant. Or I don't know if it's Paul, actually. Be vigilant in your prayers. Be sober for the sake of your prayers. So Paul sa- or, uh, Peter says in 1 Peter 5.8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. Enemy. Yeah. Your enemy. So resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Well, you know, if I got to go fight Satan with my strength, dog, I haven't worked out in a while. These bad boys ain't looking too too good. (laughs) But if I know that I can simply ask God to be my (coughs) defender, and he says, yes, I will be, that's a lot better of a position. Okay? Because angels are pretty bad dudes. Don't let anybody lie to you. Yeah. And that's you don't want to you don't want to play games with an angel. Okay. And uh, the sons of Sceva in the book of Acts looked that up. They tried to do that. They tried to cast out a demon in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. <laughs> not the Jesus I know. Not the Jesus we worship. I'm going to cast you out in the name of some dude that someone else knows. And the demons looked at him and said, uh, the demon possessed man looked at him and said, Yeah, Jesus I know. Paul, I recognize. Uh, who are you? Yeah. And they got beat up and they ran off naked because that demon says, man, whooped them fools. All seven of them, or however many there were. I think there were seven sons of Sceva. It's amazing how graphic it is in the Bible if you can put it into a perspective. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty harsh. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of things that happen in here mm-hmm. where you're like, imagine if you were 
living that time. I'd be dead a long time ago. <laughs> I would be nested in hell a long time ago, which I'm glad we have the opportunity to reverse that. Yeah, praise God, praise God. I mean, just reading this kind of hurts my soul every single time. Like, ugh, smack in the face. Yeah, well, and praise the Lord for that, right? Because he's preparing us. But that's the thing, you know, Satan is on the prowl. Satan doesn't take days off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so we're called to pray for ourselves, right? To ask God to protect us and to pray that same prayer for our brothers and sisters around us that they would be defended, right? Everybody, most people know the story of the phalanx, the Roman army, like their job was to hold their shield and to defend the man on the left and the right. Like it was a group effort. And that's what we are as a body, one body, right? One Lord, one baptism, one spirit, okay? So when we pray, the first thing we need to do is we submit ourselves to the Lord, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name in everything we do. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, even above our own. Give us this day for all my brothers here, far, everywhere, our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive our, our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us for the evil one, from the evil one. And that's that's another test of our hearts. Like, when you pray, there's something that you have to ask. You have to kind of come to terms with. How much do you really care about praying for the other people around you? How much do you actually care? And I mean, just, I'm not asking for an answer. I'm just, be real with yourself. How much do you really care about praying for other people? And for me, you know, especially in, in times past, coming to terms with that answer, I didn't like my answer. And it motivated me to pray more for people. But you know what? It changed my heart too. Because I do care a lot. I mean, I kind of have a like a an internal subtle kind of it's just there like I'm good with the Lord, the Lord's got me. I love the Lord, the Lord loves me. Like those things aren't in question ever. Mm-hmm. And so it's very easy that I don't have to you know, like I feel like my first care is for others a lot of times. You know, not to say I'm never selfish, I wouldn't say that. But most of the time, I, I love to pray for people. I love to minister. I love to share the word of God, right? How much do we care? So let that be a question to you as you pray. And finally, we'll just go ahead and end this. We come in when we pray and we, we start by praying for the Lord's will to be done, for his authority to come, for us to be in surrender to him. We pray in a way that's pleasing to him, that he would provide everything we need this day, that we as a body would be forgiven and we would be forgiving. And if you know anybody who has bitterness or unforgiving, pray for them, right? And we ask that the Lord would defend us from the devil and keep us from temptation that we might be a pure body. And then we answer, we answer a question at the end of our prayer. Why? If God knows everything anyways or, you know, whatever, like, why should we take the time to stop and pray? Why do we come to the Lord? Why do we lift our hands? Well... For yours is the kingdom. We end our prayer with a, a declaration, a truth declaration back to the Father. It's your kingdom, right? No, it's nobody else's. It's not Satan's kingdom. Like, he's getting cast out. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's your power. You're the only one. You are the only living God. Only you can answer this. Only you can provide our needs. Only you can forgive our sins. Only you can defend us. And Lord, it's your glory, not mine not anybody else's, forever. Amen.
And so we have this three-part prayer that Christ has given us to go, before the Lord, the, to go before the Lord and surrender our hearts to him as we come into prayer. To intercede for our needs, yes, our own needs, but to remember our brothers and sisters. Anything you ask God, and even, just in your, even if you're not going through this exact format, you know, when you pray, whatever you're asking for, whatever you're asking God to do, remember. Or just let the Lord, give some time, let the Lord bring specific names to your heart, because he'll do that if you, if you give the time for it. He'll bring people to your mind to pray for, right? And pray for your brothers and sisters, right? near and far. And then, Lord, and I thank you that the truth of the matter is, regardless of the temptation to feel a certain way, regardless of what I'm dealing with, Lord, it's your kingdom, it's your power, it's your glory forever, and then it's never going to change. Hallelujah. Amen. <coughs> you know, and you can put confidence in that. Right? And it's, it's not only declaring the truth to, to the Lord as worship, it's declaring the truth to the enemy as victory, but it also is that when you declare the truth back to yourself, there's an encouragement, there's a strengthening in your spirit that you can have. And I want to end just by reminding you, for those of you who were doing our home church before we started this church plant, we were talking about the command in Joshua, be strong and courageous, right? And that command in Hebrew to be strong means to encourage yourself, to strengthen yourself and to be ready. And when we declare the truth of God back to ourselves, that's what happens. The Word of God, being reminded of His truths, will strengthen you if you choose to believe it. Amen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Any comments, questions? I just wanted to share. I've been doing this every day this past week. Um, it's been pretty powerful. Um, I just add some things are clicking in my head as we were talking about it again. But, like, every day not only did it, it make me start my prayer with, you know, not just, not just going into, Lord, help me because of this situation, blah, blah, blah. You know, it helped me not to be self-focused and just think about me and my issues, but to, yeah. to, you know, pray, I was praying for mm. people in Africa and, mm. you know, wherever, Amazing. in Alaska, and like, mm. all, there's all Save this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, and I would pray for our government and just for, just for everything and just for all his people around the world. And, Um, So it not only did that, but it also just really, I think, every day praying this really revealed some things in my heart that I didn't know were there. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was a specific situation that I was praying about, and, you know, because of the the way the prayer is laid out in Scripture, you know, praying for His will to be done and for His name to be glorified. And and when I said that, I was like, oh, do I really want to ask that? (laughs) Maybe I don't want to ask that because then it may not turn out the way I want it to right now. And so... It was really good at like just kind of showing my own heart and where my own heart was and um, also every day you know praying for uh, just for forgiveness and also to, to help me forgive others and um, I really think that it just clicked in my head that over a week of doing that you know the, the, this weekend was really rough for me um, just emotionally and, and just spiritually in my heart and I think it was because the Lord was you know through praying that every day the Lord was really breaking down some walls um, that I had built up um, just in basically seeing some other people as, as the enemy um, and really just um, having a hardened heart and um, just bitterness um, because it's easy, it's, it's easy to not be hurt when you can just be mad at the other person and just see them as bad, you know. So um, it really, I think, broke that down, all those walls down for me. Um, and so I'm going to continue praying this every day because I think it's, it's pretty powerful. Amen.
I'd like to share something if it's okay. Yeah. I you know in my own personal prayer life when it's crazy how this works, but when you actually pray for others and then yourself, you actually see way more answered prayers than if you were to just pray for yourself all day. And I don't want to step any toes here because I know that we all have needs. I get it. Trust me. I say this with a humble heart, but a person who goes through life just praying for themselves all day, that's kind of like Satan. He's very selfish. Mm-hmm. You know, I think God is going to move more in your life when we put others before us. And the Bible even says that. The Bible says exalt others, you know, and encourage others more than yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And I looked up fervent one time, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, probably the Hebrew definition of it, but it's like basically putting yourself in this situation, like what you did, you know, of that individual, the other individual, like it's yourself that's needing the prayer. Yeah, well, yeah, fervent means to have a, a passion, correct, an overflowing correct. passion for something, so yeah. Yeah, not just touching Jesus. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. to be, have yeah. a passionate, overflowing prayer, yeah. Amen. I just want to share that. No, that's good, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, I like, you're talking about like how this prayer, it exposes our own heart, and it, and it should, right? Going before the Lord should always expose our hearts. If it's not, again, it, it shows how selfish we are, but, you know, it's interesting. Selfishness, it's, it seeks the benefit and the pleasure of self, but selfishness is sin, right? And so there's a lie paired there. It's like, by pursuing this, it'll be better. But it actually brings a curse when, you know, for us to live in selfishness, it only brings about despair, depression, wickedness, mm-hmm. um, deceit, division, etc. Like, we actually hurt ourselves, right? And the love of God is a selfless, sacrificial love, which is the complete opposite of selfishness. And when we begin to interact with that and we begin to pray and love other people, we actually, the things we kind of wanted when we were being selfish, we get by serving and loving others, mm-hmm. right? And we're actually alienated from them as we seek to serve ourselves. Like we want our space and we want our time and we want our comforts and we want, and we're actually, you know, um, keeping ourselves from the blessing and the joy and the mm-hmm. peace that God gives, you know what I mean? Um, and that's something that I've learned over the years because I'm one of those guys where I want to be, you know, somewhere alone in a room by myself and just have my quiet time. You know what I mean? Like, and definitely the way we've lived, we've had very little of that the last many years, having people in our house and stuff. But I've had more joy and I've actually had more peace, honestly, um, than I had when I was trying to have my own space and time all the time and you know having a little space and time is good for sure but at least you're blessed with the opportunity to do what you are able to do yeah praise the bring people in your house or, or, or lend a helping hand and uh, I suck at that I'll just admit I really really suck at that mainly because the way the world is nowadays I'm so worried about somebody coming into my house and being <laughs> just not a good person but I can't look at it like that and uh, I think that's where I struggle the most, you know, is uh, I try to see the good in people, but when you see how they carry themselves, you automatically are locked into this idea, and there's no changing it. Mm. 
And that's when I have to sit there and say, hey, you know, eliminate this thought from my head because you really don't truly know yeah. that person or why they're being who they are. Yeah. So. Yeah. Can I share something else about tithing? I know you were sure, sharing that not too long ago. I was tithing, and I'm telling you, man, I don't know what it is, but tithing works. The first time that I've ever tithed, way back in the day, God specifically told me to tithe $50. So, you know, you're battling with your flesh and all this the first time, you know, well, Pastor might use it for this, wrong reasons, whatever. I just did it in obedience, right? And I kid you not, and this has never happened to me before. I, I, you know, I grew up in a poor family too, you know, I'm not, I don't have a rich family. Well, I went to go pay my rent and I was actually, back when you write checks, I was writing a check. And the landlord said, your rent's already been paid. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm paying my rent. She goes, are you paying ahead for the next month? Or the, the, the following month? I said, no. She goes, somebody came in here and paid your rent for you. What? I was like, what? And I have testimony after testimony. So one day I was praying about it, right? I asked God, I don't get it, Lord. You know, because when you tithe, you even have way more money than what you think you would have. It's crazy. Like, it, it, it's just, you, you can't even fathom it. And I asked God, what is it about tithing? I don't get it. And I had a vision. And the vision was so powerful, I have to share it with you. I had a vision of a water hose. Who would have a vision of a water hose? It wasn't me, right? Well, on that under the water hose, there was a thumb being pressed against that water hose. God said, when you don't tithe or you don't give, you're like the person holding that water hose with a thumb. Everything that's already in that hose will be all that is there, and nothing more can come out. But when you let it go, it waters, and it just keeps coming forth. And I thought, wow, that was so powerful. That's but that's the way it is. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I've experienced Just giving that. and tithing, you know. Go ahead, man. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Amen. No, I was just saying, I've experienced that for sure. Amen. There's an Old Testament scripture. There is one who scatters abroad and yet increases all the more. And there is one who holds back yes. more than what, it, what he should and does not know it leads to poverty. Yes. And so, and I guess I just brought that up because we were talking about giving. You know? mm. Yeah. No, that's a good testimony, brother. Well, let's go ahead and pray, guys, and we will close out. Father God, we just thank you so much, Lord. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the testimony of your body, Father, um, that glorifies your name and that speaks to the truth of who you are, Father. Uh, Jesus, you even said if they don't believe your word, they should at least believe you because of the works. And so, Father God, we thank you for testimonies um, that bring forth truth of your word and, and challenge our hearts to submit to you in ways uh, we might otherwise be unwilling to. And so, Lord God, we just ask for all of us that you would strengthen us in prayer, strengthen us in vulnerability, to be humble and open to you at all times, and to honor the name of Jesus in all we do. In Jesus' mighty name, we bless also our brother Rich and his travels. Uh, bring him home safely, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus. Amen. Amen.